0: podcast addresses death, difficult emotional content, and contains profanity. Listen Mm -hmm. with
1: your own motherfucking discretion. (laughs) (laughs) Get your kids. (laughs) This is Grief After Dark. Hey guys,
0: we've been talking for an hour already. Welcome to the party.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And we have a very special guest today. Uh, Again, y'all know how I love to my internet buddies. And I like pester folk all the time about coming on to grief after dark. And so this is one of those things What that happened. I just happened to see, you know, an ad of, of Katya's and I was like, you know what? I think you're a person I would love to talk to. And I was right as usual. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm not often wrong about these things. So, welcome to the party, Katya Fishman. Please go ahead and introduce yourself, and and let's let's get it on. Thank you. I'm so
2: excited to be here and talking with both of you, wonderful women. Um, yeah, I am a. I call myself a story capture. So, I work with people to capture their stories. That started with life stories. And, um, you know, I got into that through my own personal experiences with losing my grandfather. And it kind of, it started to evolve because I had gotten really, really sick when I turned 21. Mm -hmm. And as a result, I started to have, you know, I was thrust into this experience, um, kind of fighting for my life. And from there, I realized how important and meaningful it is to examine the story you tell yourself about an experience and about your body and about, oh, is it broken? Is it healing? Is it fixed? All those words that we use um, to try to describe and explain to people what we're going through.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. So then from there, I realized, wow, there's actually a big space here um, and a need to examine those stories in a way that isn't trying to get to the other side of it, trying to get to the end and, oh, what happened? You know, did you make it through? Because we're comfortable with those stories. But what about stories that are continuing? What about
1: where you're still in? Yeah. You you, shh, you just had a little sermon right there because several things. It's examining the stories that we're telling ourselves about what's yes. happening. That's the first thing. You said so much. And then we love... For people to just, oh, we want to hear the stories about the people who have prospered or the people who have just, oh, they look at, look at them. They dealt with what you dealt with and they got through it. Why can't you get through it? And so, you know, the continuing, and so it's not always cut and dry for a lot of people more than people would like to admit. These things are not cut and dry and it's not just over because you have gotten through one trial or you've beat A portion of whatever you're going through so you you know it's it's wild so tell me more first of all about the grief in there of that continued story
2: yeah oh man so i'm 32 now Mm -hmm. and i first got sick when i was 21 Mm -hmm. and the thing is like You know, the kind of story that I just kind of laid out where, oh, we're comfortable with the like, someone got cancer, then they got through it, and now they're living life and prospering. I call those like restitution stories. And then we've got some a a different story, which is way more, I think, uh, the experience that a lot of people find themselves in. And that's the place where you really are grasping for something, right, is the chaos story. So when things are just kind of happening, there doesn't seem to be this rhyme or reason. You're you're losing control. You don't have control. <laughs> you never did really. Right. Um, so for ten years, you know, I've kind of had this continual process of grieving, and that grieving morphing and changing, and my relationship to that grief changing around my body, and like even purely just the functioning of my body let alone how it looked I mean I would look in the mirror and I'd see a skeleton basically and the grief there and then of course we can think about the images that come up and all types of things that are inspired from whatever experience we're going through like for example me looking in the mirror I, I come from a Russian Jewish background I I have you know family members who were impacted by the Holocaust and looking in the mirror and having all these stories triggered around you know that, terrible time in history you know so so then the grief that now that's not my grief that's another grief but then it's in my body and what is that so engaging with not only my story but kind of the collective human story you know and and I think for a long time I was trying to outrun it I was trying to outrun the grief through trying to get to my restitution narrative right like okay yes. where's my endpoint? like l- I just got to get to the end point I got to get to the end point and you're trying to you're trying to get on the other side and it really took a long time to start to say like wait i have to be with this i have to sit with this i need to learn from it and i think sometimes people equate that with giving up you know and just giving in and i think also that's why a lot of people look for the restitution stories it's like okay give me hope give me something like let me get through this you know and and honestly i did that a lot i i lived in a fantasy world of like oh these people like manifested their health out of like going to you know a joe dispenza workshop or something you know and it's like okay i got i got to find the thing i got to do the thing that works for me and it's like you know, this This is your journey with it. And I think the the engaging with the grief, which, by the way, how do we do that? It, the stories are clues, you know, to what is being told.
0: You've referenced stuff that I've been meditating on. You've mm-hmm. referenced stuff that I've been reading recently. Like, I'm just so happy you're here today. One yes. of the things that it reminded me of, because you were talking about like that seek for hope, And I just finished a book that um, references a lot of quotes with um, Pema Chodron. And there's this quote in there from her that says, hope and fear are two sides of the same coin. And they're Mm. both a trap.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. When you were talking about that whole hope thing, it's like, that's, I I try to stay out of like, like you can sit with this and (laughs) you can also have some hope for me for a very long time I was hopeless in the sense that like I have so much shit on my plate y'all like don't be out here trying to sell me no hope because what somebody else can get through they've been doing what I'm doing not to diminish yeah but I haven't had a moment to collect myself from all the things that I've been through because we're not allowed to really grieve. We're not allowed to really sit with this and say, Hey, this is killing me Mm -hmm. and I need to find a way to be okay. Mm -hmm. I need to find a way to live with and not get rid of or live in spite of, you know, spite, spite is, is an excellent fuel source, but it's not sustainable for me. So, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. um, and at this point, I, I don't, I don't know why I'm still standing because like this, this is incredibly heavy, the shit that I've been going through. It's not all pickles and butterflies, y'all. <laughs> I, I know. I, I just keep saying <laughs> shit. <laughs> you said pickles and butterflies. I do love pickles, so.
0: Me too. <laughs> I love both. <laughs>
1: But um, yeah, so it's like that continuance of, and so I, I really just turn away from, from things when it's like, oh, have hope. Hope for what? I hope my lights don't get turned off. You know, my relationship with hope is very different from yours. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I hope bad shit stopped happening to me.
2: <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's hope and hope always feels like there's this uh, goal. You're hoping for a specific outcome whereas, uh, faith and again, faith is like a loaded word, right. But like, just like a general state of faith, Mm -hmm. openness, acceptance kind of is our synonyms I would use for it, um, to allow kind of really what we're talking about, like with grief is that it's a mystery, you know, there's not there's no logic you can bring to it and be like, well, when I do A, B, and C, grief will be gone. Like, it, you really you don't get to wrangle it like that, you know. And if only, <laughs> yeah, if only. But the thing is, in our society, post-modernist society, right? Like, is we look at everything like it's a puzzle to be solved, and body is a machine that can be hacked and everything has a reason that can be explained. And once we figure it out, we can fix it. And the thing is like, it's not something that needs fixing, right? This is, it's like a, it, not around or, or, or outside of it's through. And that, yeah, <laughs> that is the, that's the honoring of it as a mystery to, be lived through as opposed to something that is taking you away from your life, you know, or, or a distraction or something like that. Cause that's how I looked at it. I was like, Oh, I, you know, cause for a long time, all I really had the energy to do was try to heal was really focusing on my body. And I was, I would say things like, it's, it's taking me away from my life. Like I'm losing all this time. I'm, and in fact, once I got better, which I'm not, it is a journey. Like it's, I wouldn't stand here and say like, oh yeah, I'm perfect now. It just was, you know, an an infection. No, that is not what I'm dealing with. It's a continual daily relationship. But, you know, for a while I would say that I would, I would relate to this experience as if it's taking me away from actually living my life fully. And even relating to it that way, like that in itself is a story that I had ingrained that like, you know, it's almost like I was looking at it as if it's a detour from my true destiny or whatever. Right. And it's like, first of all, who are you to say what your destiny is? I know we live in a culture where it's like manifest destiny, make your path, like make it happen. And that's and I think that energy is like very apparent in the whole hope culture. Right. Back to this hope and the like the toxic positivity and just like optimism no matter what and that yeah so I think I think that's part of it is like this illusion of control
1: over your suffering your experience and I think that that's dangerous and I think that that you, you know leaves a lot of room for people to turn to addiction um to turn to these other things because oh by god Joining cults. Listen, we've joined you. three of them. I mean, like, <laughs> we are, listen, I was raised in one. So, mm. yeah. yeah, we got season four
0: because <laughs> everyone knows I love a good cult story. Yeah. Love cults. I'm, Woo! I've, cult,
2: I call it cultish tendencies. I'm like, yes. I enter into a group. I'm like, mm, oh,
0: this, this is good because I keep, I keep threatening to, that I'm going to start a cult. So yes, the anti-cult cult. But yeah, that's the thing. We don't really have any real purpose for you. So
1: your <laughs> jewelry is gonna be the symbol of the cult that you sure. gotta collect all the rings. Yes. <laughs> anyway,
2: the Aphrodite oh my cult God. beauty.
1: Oh you know, I that part I I I definitely agree with you there, and it is Something that I really want to work hard to kind of dismantle for black people, you know, first and foremost, it's it's because we need to deal with a lot of trauma, not just, you know, our personal traumas, but collectively, we have a lot of trauma that we need to work through. You know, I do not bend the knee to this toxic positivity and this culture of like, yeah, I'm I'm definitely a manifester. I am definitely a generator. I am definitely a person who believes in like I can create the things that I see in my mind. So, you know, I'm an artist. Like, and what is art other than manifesting anyway? And all of us do this all the time, but again, it's manifest and chaos things mm-hmm. will happen regardless of what you think you're planning out regardless of you know how much control you think you have over your life and choosing and designing yeah you can design it but shit is still going to happen that is out of your control period that's a fact this ain't something we got to look far to cooperate amongst each other you know and we don't need a phd to do it either yeah so you know falling into that trap of everything happens for a reason well, what is the reason? Stop doing that to me and stop doing it to others and stop Mm -hmm. doing it to yourself. Because when people fall apart, when things that aren't related to death, that aren't related to, like, it it could be like the smallest thing that you, you see, you, we've seen this in our society where a person will go and shoot up a whole post office Mm -hmm. because they lost their job. Mm -hmm. My question here is what was this person going through that they didn't deal with prior to this, and that this losing their job when they could go get several others is the worst thing that has happened to them, and it has caused them to go on a whole killing spree. Yeah. If we're looking at these incidences, it's uh, it, it goes back to us not dealing with our shit
0: mm-hmm.
1: in the beginning. Us perpetuating this myth that everything is pickles and butterflies <laughs> all the time. And we should never experience any adversity. And if we do, we shut the fuck up about it, sweep it under the rug and go on to the next thing, because that's how you survive. And that's what Mm -hmm. makes other people comfortable. And because that's what makes other people comfortable. And then the next bad thing happens and you suck that up. And it's like we're absorbing and it's like this kinetic energy. And that kinetic energy can manifest in a sickness, it can manifest in a, like a mental breakdown. It can manifest into depression, anxiety. You, I mean, we could go down the list. These right. things are all very much connected to each other in my opinion. No, I'm not a doctor, but I'm a human being. And I've been here for a little bit right. and I know what I see. Yeah.
2: And I think like your example of, the person losing their job and kind of losing it, you know, it's, it speaks to how implicit this assumption that certainty exists. Like there's some illusion of certainty, you know, after, after we have a couple days or a week or a month of the same experience provided to us, we're certain that that's how it's going to continue to go. Right. right? And then when something flips it, that can be, especially that combined with one other kind of crisis, like now it doesn't
1: seem like there's, is a way out other than to self implode in some way. Right. Right. We've been talking a lot about ideation. We've been talking a lot about, you know, like where these things are stemming from? Gosh. Thank you for (laughs) just thank you for that. And really being able to speak about, your experience, because for us or me, I should speak for myself.
0: You speak for me too. You're doing good. You just took a whole bunch of words out of my mouth. I just get to sit (laughs) here and drink my wine. So (laughs) speak for us. Will you?
1: Okay. (laughs) I mean, the sharing of stories, the gathering that we're doing now and, and like not allowing, you know, barriers to communication stop us and, and like really being able to connect on these very potent and real levels is so special. So it's
0: It's all about sharing the story so that we can all gain connection so that we don't feel so alone. I mean, this is a divide and conquer situation. And that was like exponentially blown through the roof in 2020. We know, we all know the methods of separation going on right now. You can see it and you can feel it. And so Yeah, this is the the flip side of that. This is the Pickles and Butterflies group to bring the group back together. So along the lines of sharing story, I would love to hear more about the legacy project that you have going on. Yeah, I mean, I have many (laughs) kind of
2: uh, offshoots. And I'll just talk about two. One is, you know, I continue to do legacy projects with, um, in particular, first-generation Americans. I I think that there is something to be said about um, the hardship and the struggle and the sacrifices that immigrants, most immigrants, have to make in order to come over. I am a, a child of immigrants and first-generation American and, um, you know, I grew up hearing my grandmother tell me how she had to wait in line for hours for a piece of bread, you know, and that that kind of seeps in. But it also what, what I recognized is that, um, you know, I, I was born in 1990 and I would say out of all my peers, I'm like one of a handful that gives a shit about anything that my family went through. And, and I think a lot of us get to a point when we're maybe having our own children and we start saying like, wait, where do I come from? Like, what is this grounded in, you know? And like, we're talking about stuff beyond what your beliefs are, you know, we're talking about like actual, actually what happened, what did your people go through? And of course, speaking like you can't get around it, ancestral inheritance, you know, that includes trauma, that includes gifts, that includes all the things that remember you you were given this the spark of life has come through your ancestors like that is what it is it's been passed down to you it's this torch you were given and to i think going on a tangent here but like the the audacity for us to stand up and say oh yeah i i made this i did this this is what i am like i made my life it's like you are standing on the shoulders of those who came before you Right. So I'm, I'm really big in trying to get that into the culture of this kind of honoring of where you come from. A lot of people in my generation, like want to hate on boomers and be like, they were the world. And, you know, again, mistakes were made, but <laughs> this, this, that's, that's not the way to it. That's not the way to understanding why people acted the way they did, why they think the way they do. Um, and I, I don't think there's any other way other than connection and communication. Right. To heal any of that. Not to mention, like, you know, it's a way to become aware of your your proclivities. And if you recognize that, you know, your father, let's say, like, like has an anger problem and continues to respond certain ways and scenarios and you are able to recognize that and see it in yourself, like, there you go. That's an instant where you have, even if you still struggle with it yourself, like you are now, you've given yourself that much more of a chance to be able to like not respond that way. So I'm big on that. That's one piece that is exciting for me. And it's just fascinating to meet people from all over the world with, you, know, you start to see how common our experiences are. And one thing I wanted to speak to is like, you were saying how it's about sharing, sharing stories and connection. And part of that is like this magical thing that happens between a storyteller and then witnessing the story and that like union that occurs, um, that is in itself transformational. And then when you get into actually reflecting back the story, you know, whether that be through learnings or realizations or a question, even can, totally shed light on the for the person who told the story. And they're like, they see their story differently. And that is why I do what I do. I've every single client I've worked with has had a moment where they're shedding tears or they're talking about something that happened to them when they were five or whatever. And they are I ask them a question and they now think about it differently. Mm-hmm. And they've already had 30 years to be thinking about it. So that's the point. Like when you tell stories, you get outside, you're forced to get outside of that story. You've already continued to reinforce to yourself.
0: Yeah, that's cyclical, yeah, mm-hmm, or cyclical circle brain stuff. Yeah,
2: exactly. So that's that's one, one direction I go. And then another one that I'm really passionate about, and I'm kind of like testing out and doing um, a lot of creative approaches with is you really digging more into that healing aspect, right? Like the the first line I kind of laid out, the healing kind of happens naturally, but most, if not all of those people come to me without any intention of healing. It's, It's more just capturing the story, honoring the legacy, and then the transformation happens as a natural part of that. But to actually come at this process with the intention of healing knowing that maybe no one other than me is going to hear this or, or see this. Right. And, and combining that with writing and actually having someone do their own writing and like coaching them through that experience and us engaging with it. It's like, it causes the person to really be still with themselves see what the story is, and then having someone reflect back to them that story. So this is different than journaling, right? Journal, free writing and journaling. You just, you're getting it out, you're expressing. And I do that all the time. You know, I'm just like constantly doing that. And it, and it does make you feel better. But we want to talk about a cohesive narrative that like is pervading your existence. And where I'm really passionate is is when it comes to chronic illness, because I myself am someone who has dealt with that. And I don't think that there's enough being done or talked about the relationship to your body and how it has changed as a result of this experience. And it is deeply traumatic and scary to think that my body's not, you know, first of all, you start having thoughts like I'm broken. My body's broken. And by the way if you're going to have the thought my body's broken and not not equate that with I am broken, you've now separated yourself out from your body. And now the separation happens.
0: It's problematic either way, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. so,
2: so I'm really big on like recognizing the story first. And then now let's talk about what is a story that we could put or or develop this into that honors everything you're feeling and experiencing, but helps you to mend that relationship to yourself, to Mm. your experience. I think that in itself is healing. And like I said, like we started this conversation off with is that I'm really talking about those chaos stories. I'm talking about people who are still, they're in it. yeah, They're in it. And it's maybe been a decade and they're in it and they're having, they break down, on a monthly basis because of this where it's like you're going 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 making good progress and then it's like wait am i ever going to like get through this and those are the questions and the pieces that i really you know it's a blessing in disguise that i went through what i went through because now i have this comfort with being in this space and that's really what i have to offer right is is i i know when i was really sick people couldn't be around me they couldn't handle to see death, staring back at them. I mean, it's really like, I do not want to be faced with this right now. And, and no one does. And so, whereas for me, it's, it's, I'm now in this place where I've seen it. My body was pushed so far. It's a continuum, right? You've got life and death and it's not just, are you alive? Are you dead? There's so much on either end, so much nuance but I think some people, the moment you cross over to like the death side, just a little bit, it's like, oh, nope, no, I got a job to do here. I got to be a productive member of capitalism. Like I need to make some money. I need to, I can't, that's, that's depressing. I can't do that, that, you know, and that's the thing it's depressing because we're pretending it doesn't exist. Whereas in reality, you know, not to bring in all the cliches, but like you can't have, you can't have summer without winter. You can't have all these things that are required in order to have the good side of things. You know, all of us just want that. Whereas I think part of what grief has to show us and even death is to the wholeness of it all. You know, And when you're ignoring, pretending that something doesn't exist, that you are actually making it impossible to have the other side of it you know, it's, it's, it becomes
0: shallow, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They like negate one another. Yeah. Yeah. And I just keep thinking like, I, I keep getting the visual of, or the, just the idea that it's not black or white. That's not what this life is. And I think that it's sort of human nature to try and turn it into that. Just like you were saying earlier, that it's, it's a deep ingrained piece of human nature that we do want the answers. We do want to know, the thing, that's why there are so many cults, even you know, mm-hmm. so many of us mm-hmm. just want even a lunatic, even an abusive person. If you just tell me what I need to do, fine. You know, like, I'll take it because that the unknowing is so gross. It's so icky and vulnerable and uncomfortable. and that's grief and it's loss and it's death and it's being alive sorry folks it's part of the deal because you're right you can't you can't have the other side without that
1: Mm -hmm. yeah it's not it's not real right and and to be fair though there are a lot of people who haven't had a lot of strife in their lives And so it is really very, very scary. And there are people who have to manufacture it even in their lives Mm. to experience this in order to feel alive. I guess I don't fucking know. What we're inherently talking about is the
2: creative process that is being alive. (laughs) And I mean, I read tons of quotes about this, but, and I, and I, say amen every time I come across one, which is like the most interesting people, the people that have the most to say and the most contribute, they always have these scars in their past, right? Like there's, they've been through some stuff. And those are the people that I want to learn from. I trust me. So as doing the storytelling work that I do, I've worked with some clients where it's like, okay, grew up on a farm in Wisconsin, lived your life, had some kids. And now you're older, and it's like, okay, you had a very easy life. They're they're not telling me any strife. I'm just there, and it, it honestly, it's kind of a snooze fest. Like I, I don't, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not. I adore all my clients, and I, you know, but the thing with the certainty, right? And like this, this speaks to, of course, like Campbell's Hero's Journey, and like Viktor Frankl, and the whole. The whole thing is like meaning is something you create and we are all inherently creators and so if we can look at our lives look at the grief that way what is this making what you know the whole seed in the darkness and 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 then it breaks through to light it's like that whole dark generation period is crucial
1: it has to be there you know what do you have to bring back to the light Right. That's the part we absolutely cannot skip over, not even as human beings. So the gestation of a baby, Mm -hmm. we can't skip over that part. Even if you do it in a test tube, you just can't skip over that part Mm -hmm. because the gestation, the gestation, the growth that is happening. And I I love that you... are saying that we are all inherently creators because that is the absolute truth. It doesn't matter, you know, how you identify, you are an inherent like it's innate. You can't help it. You can't help it. Well and science shows like it's actually
2: impossible to be an objective observer of the universe. I mean, just simply through vision, you're already blocking things out. You're creating your view, you know, your perspective. So from there, okay, already default. Even if you never write a piece of you know, literature, poetry, whatever. Okay. You are a creator. So from there, you know, being able to kind of have that, I I do see that's kind of like a really important current of the work that I do is like seeing, okay, what is the story you've been telling yourself and really tapping into like, you created that story for yourself. Let's honor that. You, you created it. Maybe that helped you survive at some point. Maybe that, that, you know, was the difference between life and death for you. And that's okay but recognize it as a creation. So now what, what do you want to create? And that is not the same thing as what do you want to hope for and pray for it? No, this is now, what's the story I'm going to operate by? Mm. You know. Mm-hmm. And we don't say shit like, oh yeah, I'm a millionaire now. And then that's going to become the reality. Right. We're talking about actually like a narrative that you can function by in your life. Let's replace the one that is on repeat, on play in default with a new one and that in itself that's creative right and i think living in a culture where really people look at they say someone's creative if they make art for a living they make money off their art right they they relegate creativity to that but yeah. it's, it's that is
1: one version but that's not the whole thing it's one created piece of it <laughs> like that's just one mm-hmm. version and yes Absolutely. One hundred million thousand percent. Um, this is what grief is here to teach us, because we do have to essentially create a, something very new to live by. We have to create it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like the, it, it will not just create itself. hmm. And and it applies to all different areas of your life, right?
2: Like it's everywhere. It's not just like there's one story and then that's it. No, you've got a creation. You've got a you've got a story with your body. You've got a story with your parents. You've got a story with your loved one. You've got a story with food. You've got a story with uh, hey. cooking. You got all of it. All of it is just all of these stories interacting with each other. And then now let's throw another person in the
1: mix. And how are your <laughs> stories interacting with each other? And then, and then, you then just, leave your house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got to leave your house and interact with the world. You got to go to work. You got to go to take the kids to school. You have kids. Hey, yeah. It's like that. yeah. It's like, and, and it, thank you again. Thank you so much because this is one of the bases of my adventure is that I am really telling people that we have to do this creatively. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't have a creative bone in my body. Of course you do. How? Stop that. Yeah. Because that's a story you're telling yourself. Exactly. That is a story that you have essentially created for yourself or somebody created it for you and installed it. And you took it and run with it. Mm-hmm. Because, again, all of these things are definitely intertwined. Like you were saying, does it is not just necessarily. Oh, this one little piece. It's you've got a story with your education. You've got a story with your grandma, your grandpa, your uncle. Your cousin that you've never seen before, your sister that you're estranged from, your mom that you hate, like you, it's a, there there's so many, and all of those things produce some sort of grief because of love because you were attached to it in some way. You were attached to an outcome, if you will, mm-hmm. that you all were creating together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And here we are full circle to why we do what we do collectively in this grief work. You may not be a deaf doula. You may not be a grief coach. You may not be helping other people write stories, but you certainly are writing your own. You certainly are creating your own. You certainly are experiencing the universe every single day and the power in the connection in the coming together to say, hey, you know what? We're not having a collective delusion here. Mm-hmm. This is real time. It's real time loving. It's real time learning. It's real time growing. Mm-hmm. You know, and so honoring and accepting that is like where we start.
2: Yep, exactly. And and not to mention, we could go in the direction of being a human being that has these stories. Now let's talk about the fact that we are a body we are a soul. We are a spirit. All three of these things are coming together. Right. And so if something's wrong with your body, we like to say, okay, what's wrong with body? Let's like fix it. Let's, you know, the whole machine is the way to look at it like a machine, but there are so many people, no matter what you do with the machinery of the body, it doesn't, it doesn't heal. It doesn't heal because there is a complex interplay of all of those factors that I just laid out that we do not understand. There's no, this is not about logic, right? You can feel into it. You can use your intuition. In fact, that's really the only way to go with it. But the, the point is that they, just because you can't hack it, so to speak, doesn't mean that it's actually broken We're we there's a quote by rick rubin i just got his book the creative act which i'm like in love with and he talks about how he says no matter what art you make you are the instrument and the universe is focused through you Mm. right so that's that is what your art is and so the the point is though like we are multifaceted beings that are interfacing with the universe which by the way we are the universe right so it's like there's all (laughs) this complex interplay and um the more we honor that i think and and just allow ourselves to sit in that again what does that require that requires complete surrender of our certainty and you know any it's like it's funny because people will hold on more to a conception they have of the body despite themselves. I mean, even, you know, they, they will, they will continue to harm themselves with that belief because it's just too painful to think that actually there isn't a way to understand this.
0: My brain and heart are so full right now. I don't even know which direction to go. I don't even know which direction to go. I'm just. I'm gonna send you like an eight-page email one of these days. Like, Ari, I, I put some stuff together. Yay! <laughs> Conversation I'm, number two. Yes,
1: we definitely will have to have you come. Oh back my gosh, absolutely, and visit and 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 be a third for us here. I mean, we've said that like the last two times, but awesome! Like,
0: we just keep bringing on all of these wonderful people that are so like-minded, making this job super easy and fun.
1: Listen, I have never had an easier job. Nope. No way. <laughs> um, tell us where we can find you and how how folks, if they are interested in creating a project for themselves or starting something like this, how can they find you? How can, you know, what services you offer real quick or whatever. We'll put it all on our website as well. I'm on the World Wide
2: Web at <laughs> endeavorink.com. So that's endeavorink.com. Um, And then I'm on Instagram and my handle's at fishing for Katya. And yeah, those are the two main places online. So you can, you know, on my website, there's a place there to book a call. You can reach out via email on my website. There's like a connect option. So yeah, I'm, I find myself having a lot of conversations with people and I'm very open to that. um, Even if it's just you know, a brief connection. And then we go our separate ways. I think everything that comes through any, anyone who's like genuinely interested in this work has something to contribute to Mm -hmm. the grander conversation around it. And it Mm -hmm. always guides me. And I just, I'm so grateful to you both holding a space for this. And it like what you're doing is really powerful because you're normalizing having conversations about these topics that, Again, like we live in a culture where it's it's um it's shied away from it's it's there's this like kind of uh view of it as being unpleasant and even depressing, and like you're bringing this levity to it and this this appreciation and acceptance of it that is really beautiful. so thank you for oh, doing what you do.
0: thank you <laughs> well, thanks for thank thanks for joining you. us today i mean it is it is uncomfortable and it is unpleasant, but it's also. Hilarious and beautiful and and true, and mm-hmm. I'll I'll take all of it over bullshit yeah. any day of the week.
1: <laughs> yes, it's, it's real. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Any day, and welcome to our not so rapid <laughs> rapid fire question segment. Ooh. <laughs> oh, what's one thing that you would change in your daily
2: life? Ooh. I would like to get out into nature more. I go on walks, but I'm among houses and I would I would love to get into nature every day. I grew up hiking. The the foothills were right in my backyard. So I do miss that.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also miss that this time of year when it's three degrees outside and I'm not walking anywhere. Yeah. Um I would change this is kind of a heavier answer, but I'm starting to find that I'm a little hardwired to some heavy thinking and feeling Mm -hmm. specifically around certain things. And I, I'm, I'm working towards lightening that up. That's what I would like to change in my daily. Mm. Way better
2: answer
1: than what I said.
0: Uh, Nature helps (laughs) though. Nature helps that. That's like, I struggle with that more in the winter because nature is that for me. It clears me out and and lightens me up. Mm -hmm. Because you don't, you're not as insular,
2: right? With your experience, you go out into nature and you kind of merge with the surroundings.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dee? Oh man, my daily life. Um, I think I would, I could do more reaching out to folk I have like a designated like day of the week to do that (laughs) Mm I have a a designated day of the week so it's not every day that I reach out to somebody uh, but I I would like to reach out a little more often but also I do all this like heavy work all the time so I'm real particular about my time you know I don't do anything after before 10 o'clock a.m. And folks do ask and it's been, you know, a good 5 years now where I am still repeating myself and I keep saying I you know, hey, if you give it, you can't handle it after 10:30, then don't. You I'm not the person for you. Mm. So <laughs> like if you want somebody to get up early, get somebody else to do it. Mm-hmm. Get somebody else to do it. Um have you ever been skinny dipping? Yes, I told you. Yes, <laughs> they're weird, <laughs> random questions. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have as well. Yes, I have as well. Would you do it again? Yes, yes. I same, <laughs> same. I wish there were more <laughs> opportunities to do that. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, if you could trade places with a famous person, who would it be?
2: Mm. Alive or dead, or either? Okay. Oh, that's a good question. I mean, what comes to mind is Carl Jung, but mm-hmm. I just want to meet him. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to be interacting with all the people he was interacting with, but, yeah, that maybe a student of his or something is who I would switch i would I would want to be with. yeah, but otherwise famous person, uh, maybe maybe the
1: president so i could stop some shit <laughs> change some things you have 24 hours to foil all these oh, plans yes yeah. <laughs> that's opening Pandora's yeah. P- box ladies <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah um Let's see. I, two people came to mind. One was Octavia Butler and the other one was Zora Neale Hurston. Mm. Like this mm. is the kind of material I've been like investing my time in for very, you know, deeply these days. But like, oh, I need to summon their ghosts and have it in my body or something like girls. Let's go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had 20 said, let's go, girls. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> yeah,
0: because I was going to say Albert Einstein just Ooh. have to like my- embody mostly he because is. he just seems so bonkers like he seems so <laughs> so brilliant but also really quirky and funny and cool I mean I'd sooner I'd sooner join him at a dinner party like you said about Carl Jung but yeah um yeah that's if if he wants to inhabit my brain and make me talk <laughs> for 15 minutes I wouldn't be sad <laughs> if I could get even a basic grasp of some of the insane quantum shit he talked about? Right. I think that would be cool.
1: <laughs> Dang. Well, wow. good game, y'all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that was 3 because the skinny dipping one was like actually rapid fire. Yeah, okay. kind of hey, we did one, yes, you know. <laughs> we did one. First in history. First so and last I'm all day. Katya, this was such a pleasure. <laughs> it was so great. I mean, I'm... yeah, this, this was truly enlightening and eye-opening and super fun. I love, the only thing better than talking to somebody who says a bunch of shit that I've been thinking, is meeting a brand new person and have them say a bunch of shit that I've been thinking. Like, it's just so, it's so gratifying and pleasant. And yeah, I love the work you're doing and I just appreciate you and, and your time. Same, same. You guys are are
2: such a blessing. I'm really honored to have met you. And,
1: you know, it's the, it's the magic of Instagram. It, it really hey. is. Yeah. Listen, I don't care what nobody out there say. I be nailing that shit every yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, you really do. Every time. <laughs> every <laughs> I time. really do. Well, so, you know, I I, I am a, a fan of, of, of encouraging folks to make these connections, even if they feel like, oh, God, this is so weird. It's not weird. I grew up in the age of like, we dial up and shit, like shh, waiting for AOL <laughs> and like the, the chisel. And, and chat rooms and real like real time talking to people. And so you know, it feels kind of like second nature to me that like we can make these connections. This is not you know against the law and everybody out there is not bad. and oh my God, you know, I don't talk to those people. those are not people I'm making connections with. Mm. You know, I'm talking to human beings who are responsive, who are thoughtful about their content, who are sharing something with the world. You know, like my feed is not full of people who make me feel like I'm not doing enough in my life. You know, my feed is full of people who are encouraging me to do more, Mm -hmm. who are inspiring me to expand my horizons who are like, this is amazing. I can't believe you're over here doing all this. Let me tell all my friends here. Like, let's go. We're we're supporting each other. It's not this whole, you know, oh my God, I feel so bad about my life now. Mm-hmm. You know, because we're going to go back to that part about creating things.
0: <laughs> hey, you, you you keep doing the socials if it keeps bringing us new friends like Katya. Hey, right? <laughs> Here's exactly. to that. Thank you for yes. making our story better today. Oh! <laughs> Cheers! Cheers! To best,